from the heart of the Forest City, focusing on the biggest stories in London, this is the Craig Needles Podcast. Now here's your host, Craig Needles. It's the Craig Needles Podcast here at ClassicRock981.com, LondonNewsToday.ca, and wherever you get your podcasts. And I, I wanted to talk about violence in schools this week. And we've talked about it a little bit before, but I wanted to explore it a little deeper because I want to read to you a letter from a school community. This is from Cindy Burfoot, who's the chair of the W. Sherwood Fox School Council. I'm not going to read you the whole thing. It's several pages long. It would take us a long time. You don't need to hear the whole thing, but you'll get the gist of it. The current school year at Fox has proven to be the most challenging and traumatizing that we have seen. Our school is regularly experiencing violent and traumatic incidents that impact the entire school population. It is clear that some of our exceptional Fox friends do not have the support they need to have a productive quality education and as such, a handful of students are regularly becoming aggressive, causing injuries to staff and students and damage to school property. No student should spend six and a half hours of their day in an overwhelmed and agitated state as they regularly experience episodes of unregulated violence. Without proper support in place for these students, they are failing to receive a quality education that meets their needs. Furthermore, having their moments of dysregulation on display, as it is at Fox, has robbed them of the opportunity to make meaningful connections and relationships. That is not inclusivity. This letter was sent over to me to, to take a look at. I was, it was dated the end of last month. But the issue obviously hasn't changed, hasn't gone away, and I would expect, and we're going to talk about this in a second, it doesn't just apply to that particular school in South London. But we've got a situation here, much like many of our provincial institutions, where uh, chronic underfunding by several governments, to be clear, this is not just about Doug Ford, but several people who came before him, chronic underfunding has led to an erosion of quality of the system. And now we've got a significant problem. And I know some people are going to say, oh, just discipline those kids better and that'll solve all the problems. I think that is oversimplifying where we're at at this point. There are kids who need supports in school. That's just the way things are. And if those supports aren't there, well, there's going to be problems. There's going to be negativity. And it's going to lead to, as we heard in that letter, quote, the most challenging and traumatizing school year that we have seen. That really stuck out to me. So I wanted to ask somebody about that who would know what's going on there. Let's talk to Craig Smith, who, of course, is the president of the Elementary Teachers Federation of Thames Valley, or of Ontario, rather, here in Thames Valley. And he's been kind enough to join us on the podcast to have a talk about uh, not necessarily just what's going on at this school, but what's going on in, in the school system in general. Uh, Craig, uh, always glad that you could uh, spend a few minutes with us on the podcast. Thank you for doing this. Thanks for having me, Craig. So I, I want to talk about, first about this letter that went to trustees and went to the the director of education and went to folks at uh, in the school community at, at W. Sherwood Fox Public School. And one of the lines in it that said that this has the, been the most challenging and traumatizing year we have seen. This is from the school council, this chair of the school council. So I'm sure you've seen this and, and seen the concerns uh, at, at this school and many other schools. What's your reaction to what we're seeing here? 
I think the concerns articulated um, apply system-wide. Take any school and replace uh, it with another, and you're going to have similar uh, concerns. I I do agree with that uh, line, uh, that this has been uh, probably of the last few years that have sort of been directly or indirectly uh, uh, impacted by sort of the scenario we found with the pandemic. I think this has been probably the most challenging year because we're not uh, back to a familiar routine yet. Everything seems a little off. And and as a consequence, it's been a very challenging year, I think, for teachers. It's been a very challenging year for students. And I think it's been a very challenging year for parents. So the system as a whole, I think, would agree with that statement. It has been uh, an extremely difficult year uh, to date. And that's that, that's troubling to hear, I think, for, for me as a parent and for, for me as someone in the community, if, if, if we're in that bad a situation. So what do we do then? Like, how, how, how do we make it a less challenging year, a less difficult year? It's a complicated problem because we know that although the pandemic is officially sort of been declared over, the after effects of of it remain uh, in a number of aspects. Um, you know, it, it's the, the, the schools themselves as communities, I think, um, are a little uh, destabilized at this point. Um, it, it, it appears that, you know, the, the sort of regular sort of things that we would do in the school in terms of normal routines and sort of the normal sort of adult things that have to happen when we're managing large numbers of students just aren't there. So the sort of the conduct and 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 how we get along together pieces um, are have been a real challenge. And so as a consequence, the, the important work that uh, teachers and students do together uh, in terms of the teaching and the learning has been challenged by by this this sort of absence of sort of order in the schools in terms of conduct and behavior. And so that is the backdrop. And then we have the other situations that are facing uh, classrooms and schools throughout the district and throughout the province, to be uh, to be frank, um, with, 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 you know, that, that have an impact on program. You know, if we're if we're not in sort of good order and routine, the sort of important work that we have to do in the teaching and learning uh, is is really made more difficult. And so, you know, add to that um, a government that is kind of pulling back resources from students and from the system as a whole. We have students who need very clear uh, support in terms of personnel and in terms of program resources that aren't there. We have other students who are waiting for you know, some sort of uh, support. So the supports, material and otherwise, that we need to to make for a successful school year uh, just are not in place. So it's made it extremely challenging for teachers and students. Uh, so are, are there more students that need support now than there were 10 years ago? Are we just doing a better job of identifying students who need support? Because I know a lot of people are going to hear us talking about, well, this student needs this support and that student needs that support and say, well, there weren't that many kids that needed supports when I was in school. So so is there a difference now between going to school in 2023 and going to school in 2003 as an example? Yes. I mean, very clearly, you know, all of this can't be put on the current government. Previous governments have spent a lot of time quietly hollowing out supports in the education system. 
that were, were in place to allow students who needed support to be successful in their learning. And so this is a cumulative thing that's happened over years. Uh, the previous governments may have loosened the bolts. This government uh, is busy pulling them out. So there's that uh, as sort of a starting point. Um, you know, there has been a move and a good move to integrate students uh, more inclusively in classrooms. So there's a diversity of students and student needs. All of that is great, but inclusion without the support to make inclusion work is tantamount to abandonment. And, and I think, you know, what we're what we're finding is that a number of students who, who just weren't in right, um, the sort of I don't want to use normal, but the the more the made the regular classroom uh, weren't there before are now and are there without the supports that were promised. And it's made an extremely difficult situation for the students themselves who need support, the other students in the classrooms, the teachers, the other education support workers, you know, the principals in the schools. I think it's all kind of uh, woven together to create this difficult situation that we're finding expressed at one school that is shared throughout the system yeah and that's what i'm i'm hoping to see if we if we have this i don't think I'm, perhaps the best way for me to phrase this is i would love to see this sign this solve sooner as to to make progress on this soon but i don't think it's going to happen with this current government i just i, well, I don't we, think it. I, I share the, the 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 sentiment because we are and, I, and I'm not one to, to exaggerate, and I, and I don't want to seem alarmist here, but I do think the system is in uh, some sort of crisis. And uh, we hear this day in and day out from all corners of the district, from teachers new to the profession, teachers experienced in the profession, that they've never seen anything like this. So it, it, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that we are facing a crisis. Um, that said, what we need is is not more study and data. I think we all know, you know, what needs what what needs to be done to regain control of the schools so that we can proceed with the work that we normally do with students. Um, what we need is a concrete plan, and you know, we we have been calling this lo for this locally, you know, for a number of years. Um, the recent uh, an announcement of the survey results on uh, on, on violence uh, that was done province-wide uh, over the course of the early part of the spring. The numbers uh, reinforced what we've been saying. They're troubling in terms of incidents of violence in the schools, which are often a consequence of the lack of supports and the the sort of destabilization uh, stabilization of the system. Um, you know, we need a concrete uh, plan to address these concerns that comes from you know, consultation with everyone who has a voice uh, uh, in, in the system. It, it needs to come from the ministry. It needs to apply to the boards. They need to be held accountable for um, measures and a plan that will uh, eliminate some of the, the, the issues that we're talking about in terms of violence um, at, at schools. And, and we need that to be funded. We need that to be measurable. We need that to be um, consistent over time so we can get a handle on this really immediate uh, problem that we're facing that is at, at this point uh, of, of crisis proportions. 
It, yeah. So I, I'm interested that you see crisis proportions. What does this mean for the students who are in TV DSB schools right now when it comes to their safety and, and education? What's the practical uh, impact of what's going on here? Well, let me give you a concrete example. The other day I called a school and I was speaking with our workplace steward. Um, started with the normal, you know, pleasantries. Um, we were a, a minute or so into our conversation and the steward said, do you hear that? And there was uh, administration, uh, you know, at the school was saying, look, we're, we've got a, a problem. So in one wing of the school, uh, we're going to go to hold and secure. Uh, and then as our conversation proceeded, there was another announcement that was followed by banging and smashing in the hallways. And the steward said, oh, dear, there goes all the student art off the wall. And um, by seven minutes into our conversation and two further inter uh, two further announcements for administration, the entire school was on hold and secure as a result of, of, of one unsupported student. And, you know, the, the steward said this happens two or three times a day at the school. And so the, the consequence of that is not only for the student at the center, of, 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 you know, of those kinds of, of, of situations, but for the other students who are immersed in this on a daily basis, the, the disruption um, that, that happens in terms of delivery of program to these students, their attention span, you know, and, and basically the routine of the school is, is, is kiboshed three times a day. There are often times where the kids are not able to get out uh, for their recess breaks because of these kind of interruptions. This isn't one school. This is happening on a daily basis throughout the system. And I don't think anybody looking at that from the outside with any sense of perspective would say that that's a good thing. It's not a good thing for the students who are, you know, uh, uh, not supported and, and are, you know, uh, uh, you know having their, the, the, these, these, these episodes. It's not good for the other students. It's not good for the teachers and support staff. And I think, you know, we're, we're at a point where people need to know what's going on so that there can be a public demand for something to be done about it. And, and there's no easy solution. It isn't a question of, um, you know, being authoritarian with folks. We have to take a good, hard look at how we're doing what we're doing and how we're funding and supporting that, not just throwing piecemeal money at, at, at the problem, but as I said, with a comprehensive plan that is strategic and, and, and has an end goal. And the end goal has to be eliminating violence in the schools, as tall in order as that seems, um, and, and, and making sure that schools are what they should be, safe and peaceful places for children to learn and for teachers to teach. I'm glad you brought up that point you mentioned earlier, because I think a lot of people that don't have experience in schools, sort of the way they're, they're set up right now, would say, well, why don't you just discipline these kids? And that'll solve all your problems. Uh, but that's just not the real world at this point. If, if you just are really, really strict with these kids, A, it's not going to help with their education necessarily, and B, it's not going to solve the violence problem either. No, and, 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 and there, is, there is a component, I think, in terms of you know, what, what over the last, you know, 10 or 15 years has been known as progressive discipline, which is really sort of a tiered intervention, you know, when we're talking about maintaining, you know, sort of student behavior and focus in the school. Um, it isn't a new idea. It, it, it's, it's a midway point between complete latitude, you know, where everything goes to, you know, zero tolerance. It's, it's supposed to be the, the happy medium. 
I think there is a need for the, a more consistent application of that, um, not to uh, punish students, and and we're not looking to, you know, a target or exclude. I think what we need is, you know, students and children need, uh, you know, boundaries, and they need to know, you know, what they can and can't do, so that they can learn in a developmentally appropriate way, and over time, there's a gradual release of kind of those things. But there is an almost complete absence of that happening in any consistent fashion through the system. It, it varies from place to place. And I think, you know, that, that's a component part of it. The other part of it, though, is to understand that, um, you know, that, that, that there are students who are just, who are not receiving the support they need. That's the other more positive piece. Frankly, students as a whole are not receiving the support they need because, Again, you know, money isn't the solution here, but we have a government that is, you know, uh, bent on reducing spending in public education, and this is the this is the price that we pay for that. Um, and I think if if anybody has an interest in public education and and it's succeeding, we have to grasp the nettle of this problem now because it will not get better on its own. It, it's going to require leadership and it's going to require some honest conversations about you know what's actually going on that said i think it also uh, it also means that we're going to you know have to continue to be vigilant on a day-to-day -day basis to do what we can do to make sure that kids are getting the education that they need and i think that's obviously the goal that we want kids to learn in a safe environment that is productive for their education and right now in a lot of places they're not getting that well, I think, you know, the schools in some ways uh, are a mirror of what's going on in our broader society. And I, again, I think if anybody takes a step back and takes a look at sort of where we are as a society, we're not in a particularly good place right now. Um, <clears throat> pardon me, but schools have to be a little more than a mirror. I think, you know, we are engaged day in and day out, not to put too uh, heavy, a, heavy a burden on it, but, you know, teachers and, and students get together every day and build the future. You know, so we are we are in the process of particularly in the elementary panel of laying the foundation for for what these students, when they become, you know, active and engaged citizens will be not only just good workers who are looking for a powerful paycheck, but are actually good and kind and civic minded and compassionate and all of those things that we we would like them to be school plays an important part in their life in the formation of that. And I think we've moved a bit away from that. And I think we need to take as a system um, a, a step back into that. We need to be more than a mirror. We need to actually lead uh, by example and, 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 and show some leadership that may not be found at this point at other levels of government or in the broader society. So it's a big task. It's always been part of what we do. I think we need to, to kind of get back to that. That's a there's, again, no simple solution to that, but that's why we need a plan and we need a, a set of really significant conversations so we can come to an agreement what that looks like and then start moving on it to make sure that we can uh, get things back on track. Where does the plan start, in your opinion? What would be the first thing we'd want to try and do? In terms of the specific, uh, a specific task as part of the plan? Yeah, yeah. Like, we're, like I just, it, it's a big conversation. It's a big job. I just don't even know where we begin. Well, I, I actually think, you know, we don't want this to be perceived as disciplinary or, or pointing a finger. I think 
getting a handle on the overall student behavior because most students, you know, are, are pretty good about that. We found that during the pandemic, there was a lot of concern that, well, the kids will they'll rebel, they can't wear masks, and they can't do this and they can't do that. Actually, the kids did pretty well with all of that, given what was going on, uh, you know, with with COVID and in the schools, um, because there were there were rules and there was routine and kids kind of thrive with that a little bit. So I'm not saying it was a great thing, but it wasn't a bad thing. Um, the, the, the students did a pretty good job of, of maintaining, you know, that kind of discipline. Um, we need to we need a post pandemic kind of version of that. Maybe, you know, it is restating what you know what the boundaries are and what we can and cannot do. And and you know, we we've, we're kind of in this place right now where nobody wants to say no to anything. And I think that's perhaps where we have to start because that's where the majority of students are. Once I think we kind of get a handle on that piece, then the other pieces start to be more uh, more easily managed. I wouldn't say you know easy, but they're more obvious and more and more and our attention could be more deliberate. So I think you know that might be a place to start, but others might have different perspectives. I mean, at the end of the day, we have to do something, and right now it just feels like the system isn't doing anything, and that's a real frustration I think for teachers that work in uh, in the schools on a day-to-day -day basis. It has to be frustrating for students um, on a day-to-day -day basis that their learning is populated with interruptions and real trauma. And I think it has to be, uh, it would be of concern to parents who entrust their students to the system every day um, and, and also, frankly, pay for the system. I think, you know, we, they need to be part of the the conversation here too. So, so we have to do something. I, I don't think what is is going to fix it is simply a ministerial announcement or tweet, the, uh, the throwing of some money uh, into a pot, and then hopefully it goes away. Because I, I don't think hope is a strategy, and it's certainly not a strategy that's going to, to get us as a system back on track. So, you know, it, it, it's a it's a tough thing to answer, but I think, you know, maybe there's a place we can start um, kind of getting a modicum of, of order back and control into the schools um, so that all students can 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 succeed and, and thrive. And then we can provide them the appropriate supports for the students who need it. Yeah, and that's. I just want a, a safe and productive learning environment for, for, for my kids and for, for everyone else's kids. And there's a whole bunch of different ways the system's been underfunded. We can talk about uh, infrastructure from a, a building perspective, and I've talked about that in the podcast before, and, and just the, the number of people who are actually there who are on the job who would be assisting in this. It just we've, we've gotten ourselves into a pretty negative situation here, and it's sadly, I think it's just going to take a really long time to get out of it. Yeah, I mean, this is not a new issue. I mean, the, yep. again, you know, from our starting point, uh, we were having these conversations, you know, four and five years ago, which, you know, predated the, the episode of the pandemic. I think what has happened is that that has uh, sort of accentuated the problem and accelerated uh, some of the, uh, the, the, the challenges that we had prior to. But the issues of you know uh, the the violence in the schools, which is really is really at the center of all of this, um, are not new. Uh, th th that begs the question then: if if we've known about this for this length of time, 
why are we still having, why are we still talking? Uh, you know, why aren't we actually doing? And I think that's a reasonable question, you know, for, for folks to ask. But at the end of the day, I think what you've just stated is what I think most parents would expect is that when their, you know, sons and daughters and 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 grandkids are, are sent to school, that, that they're in a safe and peaceful environment, that they're learning uh, at the, at, you know, with uh, teachers who really know what they're doing and uh, that they're going to come home safely. And um, right now, I think there's a few challenges there. And, and, and I think that isn't uh, an assurance that a lot, some parents can get at this point. It's, it's a tough place to be in the schools and it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be this way. Yeah, it uh, it absolutely shouldn't. Uh, Craig, is there anything else you want to to add to this conversation uh, about sort of where we're at in schools right now before we uh, before we wrap up our chat here? Well, to bring it back to the local level, you know, it's an issue that we have been um, talking about for a long time. I would say four or five years. Um, it is a local priority for us as we're engaged in in, in uh, talks with the local uh, employer with the board. So the issues of violence and progressive discipline are, are active conversations that we're having um, because, you know, we, we, we can't not. Our members, uh, teachers, the 3,742 of us that teach in Thames Valley um, are really good at what we do. Uh, but I think, you know, this kind of thing that we're facing it makes it a bit of a, a challenge to, to fully realize the potential that's there both in terms of the teachers, but also in terms of the students. And so, you know, it, it continues to be an issue that we will continue to work hard on because the, you know, the, the system, not just the students as individuals, but the system as a whole depends on it. And uh, we'll, we'll carry on that. So, you know, locally, it's a, a big issue for us. Uh, certainly it is a big issue in the, in, in the province. And hopefully it's one that we can come back a year from now and say, look, we've made a difference. And I think that's where we have to, to really push. Yeah. And well, let's, uh, let's continue to push there for the sake of uh, the kids in schools and for, uh, for everybody else. Craig, as always, uh, appreciate the conversation. Thank you for doing this with us. Thank you very much, Craig. Always appreciate the opportunity. That's Craig Smith, Elementary Teachers Federation of Ontario, Thames Valley, joining us here on the Craig Needles podcast. And I am really saddened by the state of our education system on a variety of fronts. I'm saddened by the state of our criminal justice system. I'm saddened by the state of our healthcare system. And I get it. These things all take money to keep running properly. I understand that. But the underfunding here, the cuts, the cuts, the cuts, never replacing, it's always the cuts, the cuts, the cuts, uh, is really taking its toll. And these systems are starting to crumble a little bit because of that. Now, am I worried about the quality of my children's education? Yes. Do I think they're unsafe at their school? No. But maybe there are other parents who feel differently than me. Maybe there are other parents who feel as though their kids are unsafe at school. Based on the vibe we're getting from that letter that I read earlier, or a portion of it, I didn't read the whole thing, like I said, uh, there are definitely parents who feel that way. Is that really what we want in our schools? You know, we talk all the time about, well, how did the United States let the system or let the situation get so out of hand with gun violence? We really want kids to feel that unsafe at school. Now, this is not the same as gun violence, far from it. But when we have situations where kids are lashing out physically at one another, and in some cases because the kids don't have proper supports or whatever it happens to be, yeah, we've got to examine what's going on within our school system, of course. 
So I have a hard time looking at this and saying, well, I know exactly what to do. I think that's for a whole lot of people to figure out. I don't think any one person can necessarily come up with a way to solve the issue. It's not just a matter of throwing cash at it. It's a matter of being smart. It's a matter of having conversations about how to find efficiencies within the school system. May I suggest one? May I suggest one? You've heard me suggest it on the podcast before, but I'm going to suggest it to you one more time. Are you ready? We don't need to fund separate schools in the province of Ontario. Instead of spending, according to some estimates, $1.5 billion a year on having a Catholic school system in Ontario, what if we were to spend $0 on that? That would make things real easy real quick, wouldn't it? Find an extra billion and a half dollars a year in the couch cushions. That would definitely help us within the school system. Maybe that's something we should pursue. Maybe that's something we should look into. To me, if you do not hold that same position that I do, and I get it, it's easier said than done. I, I understand that. If you think Ontario would be better off without a Catholic school system, but it's going to be too difficult to make happen, so we've got to find another way, I can at least wrap my head around that. If you think that Ontario is better off because we have a Catholic school system, you are way out to lunch. You're just not being serious about the quality of our education system in this province. There's no reason why we should pick one special magical religion that gets a publicly funded school board while the other ones get nothing. That doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. So... If you're going to complain to me, oh, Craig, you want to fix this violence in schools issue, but you know this costs money, don't you? Yeah, I do know it costs money. I've just found about $1.5 billion a year, according to Green Party estimates. And that's old. That, that's from, I think, two elections ago. It's probably getting close to $2 billion a year by now, once you factor in inflation and salaries and things along those lines. I found, let's just say, for the simplicity's sake, I found $1.5 billion a year in money that's not doing any good for anyone, unless you think that the idea of kids learning about Catholicism at publicly funded schools is a great idea. So there's my solution as far as where we find some dollars. Figured it out. Now, where we spend that one and a half billion dollars, that is easier said than done. I don't know the answer to that. That's going to take some long-term planning. But I figured out where we can start looking for cash. And that's the spot. All right, let's wrap up this edition of the Craig Needles podcast, which of course is found at londonnewstoday.ca and classicrock981.com. You can also find it on your very favorite podcast app. And we thank you for listening to, rating, downloading, subscribing to the Craig Needles podcast. The Craig Needles podcast is a presentation of the Blackburn Media Podcast Network. 